Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com slash explore. schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And we're back to preview Michigan, uh, where Rod has called his shot. And Michigan, uh, he believes, is going to get a nice little beat down at the Breslin Center coming up. Uh, and we thought maybe they'd have a cozy win, Rod, uh, up against Northwestern. But they just snuck out of there with a two-point win just, just a little bit ago. Yeah. Um, we're, we're recording this about 20 minutes after that game ended. And honestly... That's that's one Michigan. Well, I'm not sure either team deserved to win it in the end because <laughs> Northwestern just couldn't hit free throws. Michigan kept giving them back opportunities, including at the buzzer. Uh, Northwestern just ran out of time. They missed a free throw down two um, with about four and a half seconds to go. Somehow Northwestern gets the rebound. Ball kicks out, I believe, to, to Boo Booey takes a desperation three, which misses. And they had a guy, I think it might've been young underneath the basket, catch it and lay it in. But it was just after the buzzer, which oh, would have wow. taken it into overtime. But yeah, it was just an, uh, an ugly ton of fouls both ways. It just was a disjointed, not a, not a pretty game in a lot of ways. Tons of, as I said, tons of fouls, both of Michigan starting big guys, uh, Dickinson and, um, um, Diabate. Diabate fouled out. So they finished the game with Jaron Folds, the walk-on from Holt, finished the game out. And he missed a free throw late that kind of opened the door for Northwestern. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was an ugly game. But nevertheless, you know, that's kind of the story of Northwestern season. They're competitive almost all the time, but very rarely are they able to close games out. Mm-hmm. They just are kind of the, the reverse image of Wisconsin, where Wisconsin is a ton of close games, but they find a way to win. Northwestern finds a way to lose, and that was the case tonight. They're they're this close, in my opinion, to being a tournament team, but they're not going to be because they can't just find a way to win these games. They're right there. Um, means Michigan's on a three-game win streak. They beat Maryland at home, had a big win at Indiana, and then home tonight against Northwestern. So they're four and three in the league, 10 and seven overall. Uh, but they're in a position where they still need wins that matter because they don't have them yet. Mm-hmm. Their non-conference performance was so bad that um, they really need to start racking up meaningful wins. And this three game win streak is nice, but it, they're none of those yet. Mm-hmm. And so the game at Michigan state represents an opportunity for them. Um, I don't think they're going to get it, but we'll talk about it. Um, as I say, four and three on a three win streak. So I'm sure they're feeling, they're feeling good about themselves. Um, let's hope they're not feeling so good. Come to 30 Saturday afternoon. (laughs) Uh, so uh, yeah, Rod, you mentioned 10 and seven, four and a three in the league. Uh, Ken Palm has them overall at 27th. Um, 
offense, they're twentieth. Defense, they're sixtieth. Um, right. What is it about the defense that's just been so bad lately? They're, they're really year? they're really bad defending inside the arc. They're one hundred and forty fourth in two point uh, field goal percentage against, mm-hmm. and that's a you know that's a sustainable number that. And it really captures, I think, the totality of the problem. They're not good in the post. I mean, Dickinson's a big body, but he's never been a rim protector. And Diabate, despite all the talk about him coming into the season as this long, athletic guy, I mean, I think some of their people had visions of their version of Jaron Jackson. Well, Uh no, no, no. No, he's, he's not really provided much there. And, you know, last year they had Wagner, who I I thought was overrated a bit defensively at the time, but there's no question that he's vastly better than anybody they've got. Um, You know, livers had improved to the point that he was a solid defender. They were really good on the perimeter uh, with Mike Smith. And um, then they had a, um, Chondi Brown off the bench. I mean, they had guys who go out and guard. They don't have that this year. Mm. On the perimeter, they're weak. And, you know, Brooks is still around and he's okay, but the other guys, not good. And and as I say, their interior players really don't provide. They don't they don't have a difference maker. As we talked about last night in Michigan State, where Marcus Bainham is Marcus Bainham, he changes games. Mm-hmm. M- Michigan has nothing like that. Yeah. No presence remotely like that. So that's that's the biggest reason why. I mean, they've been okay against threes, um, 30.1%, which is 43 or 43rd overall. Um, decent defensive rebounding team at number 46. Um, but, you know, to me, it, it's really about that two-point defense. That's That's been a, a serious, serious problem. And... Um, you know, it's funny, the three-point number looks pretty good now, and it's been better lately, but they've, they've gone on streaks this year where teams have gotten really good looks against them and hit a lot of them. They were on that three-game lose, losing streak. Mm-hmm. The first two of those, UCF and Rutgers, neither of which is a good shooting team, just bombed them. And, yes, they hit shots, but the point was they got a lot of good looks. Mm-hmm. So I'm not convinced about Michigan's three-point defense either. I think that's a little bit of a luck number for them. I, I'm not convinced they're that good. Um, so that's they, the problem defensively. Yeah, and they don't turn people over at all. Three hundred and thirty-nine no. in the country. And that's never been – I mean, that's a consistent thing. You know, B-line's defenses didn't do that. Howard's don't. I, I don't hold that against them. That That is a number to me that's more – as much as anything, it's descriptive to me. Mm-hmm. It, it tells me something about stylistically how you play. I don't look at that as a qualitative number. So that that part doesn't bother me. But um, the the point is this year's team, unlike most of them that they've had for like the last five years prior to this, this year's team does not make it hard on you to get a good shot. Mm-hmm. That's It's that simple. They just don't. You don't have to work that hard. Um, so... In any event, on offense, it's a little better though. Twentieth uh, in the country. Yeah. Effective field goal percentage is thirty fourth, um, and they're they're pretty balanced. You know, three point percentage is thirty six point five, which is forty sixth in the country. The two point percentage is fifty um, eighth in the country. They've they've gotten better lately shooting the three. Mm-hmm. 
there's no doubt about that. And, and so that's made a big difference. I also think what's made a big difference is I've noticed lately they seem to me to be not just using Hunter Dickinson more. He wasn't great tonight, but he had been on a roll lately. Mm-hmm. But they seem to be, to my eyes at least, they seem to be playing through him a little bit more. And that's not a bad move because, you know, Devontae Jones is nominally the point guard and his shooting numbers are good. Um, he's not turning the ball over a ton, but he's not really, he's not a dynamic playmaker and, and they don't have that on this team. And so uh, to me, I think playing through Dickinson is a really good idea. It's a totally different style, but in a way it's a similar move to what Michigan state was able to do down the stretch last year, where everything was really going through Aaron Henry. Mm Mm-hmm. And that can get you sometimes, if you've got the right guy, that can get you through not having a great answer as an initiator, as a, as a dynamic player at the lead guard. And that's where I think Michigan is. I think Jones has proven to be a capable shooting guard. I'm just not convinced he's really a point guard. And they don't, you know, and Eli Brooks isn't either, you know, they have the freshman Collins, who's a very erratic player and can't shoot. So they don't really have a good answer right now at that spot. Um, But because they have Dickinson, I mean, Dickinson's got a plus assist to turnover ratio. That's not common among big men. So Mm -hmm. it tells you something about he's, he's actually a legitimate option in that way. And I, you know, they're doing a lot of stuff like I've noticed much more frequently lately They'll have him catch the ball with his back to the basket quite a ways away out on the floor, like right by the arc, let's say. And he will use his body on handoffs to guards to create opportunities. And sometimes they're getting shots off that. If they're not getting shots, they're oftentimes getting a good angle to take the ball to the rim. Uh, So it's been an effective way uh, to go about things for Michigan. And, I would expect we're going to see more of it. It's definitely had something to do with their improvement. You mentioned the two point percentage is solid as well. A lot of that is him. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he's a, obviously he's a very, very difficult guy to guard and has, has been a good finisher. So that's the strength is that they're shooting the ball. Well, they've had their own turnover problems, not to the degree Michigan state has, but 151st in turnover percentage We're we're a long way from the John B line era. Uh-huh. Uh, we're, we're clearly past that. And in this big 10 with so many teams that limit their mistakes, they're definitely on the worst end of things. Uh, not a great offensive rebounding team, 106th, mm-hmm. you know, and again, we're a long way from the B line era that rebounding is something that I think Howard wants to be effective in. And they haven't been great this year at either end. They're they're okay defensively, not so good offensively. Um, and that's really, I mean, that's the that's the name of the game. You know, there one one other small negative that maybe will be significant. We'll see. Is they're only sixty eight point seven percent at the line. They're two hundred fifty third in the country mm-hmm. shooting free throws. So in a tight game, I don't know that you're really talking about. Um, a particularly reliable team. You know, Eli Brooks is a good free throw shooter. I mean, you look at their starters. Brooks is really good. Uh, Houston and Jones are okay. Dickinson is okay. 
Diabate has struggled some, you know, and it, they, they don't have anybody who stands out other than Collins as just a God awful shooter, but they got a lot of guys who are just kind of mediocre. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that is, I think, and again, they missed some free throws tonight down the stretch too. So, um, that's one thing to watch for if it's a close game. I, I don't think it's going to come down to free throws, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, so you get into the players, Rod. Uh, Devontae Jones, 6'1", 200-pound transfer from um, Coastal Carolina. Uh, yeah. He comes in 46 or 47% from the floor, 45 from three. Um, at the line, he is 73%. Yeah, he's picked up the shooting lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, forty actually closer to forty six percent from three, but it's low volume. He's not even averaging quite a make a game. And I think if if I were a Michigan fan, that would be my complaint about Devontae Jones right now is you got to shoot more. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of like it, it. The profile looks a little bit like Tyson Walker, where you're like, this is a great percentage. You got to get more shots up. Um, as, as so, the shooting numbers are fine. He's averaging eight point eight points a game. Um, decent rebound or two from the guard spot, 4.3. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned his assist to turnover ratio is pretty decent. He's um, a little, he's just a shade over two to one. He's 68 assists, 33 turnovers. Uh-huh. So that's okay, but he's not really a super dynamic player. He leads the team in assists, but this is not a team that's that's really got that guy. You know, Michigan State has two guys in the top five in the league and assists. He's not in the top five. Mm. Um, so it's a it's a difference in terms of how they play. And as I mentioned, it's one of the reasons why I think they've been better lately is they've been going away from that and going to some other options like, for example, playing off Dickinson. So offensively, I think Jones is a threat. He's proven to be a capable shooter from three. I would, again, the the statistics would tell me don't expect him to take a lot of them, but he's been pretty good when he's taken threes. He's also got a, I have to give him credit. He's got a nice floater in the mid range games. He's mm-hmm. mid range game. He seems to be pretty consistent with that off the dribble. If he gets into the lane, uh, it's a nice shot for a six, one guy who's looking to score to have. Um, so he's been effective there where I think he's really struggled at this level though, the most is defensively. I, I think he's a negative as a defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not been impressed. And, and that's really where I think the difference is positionally between him and the guys that Michigan state runs out there is Michigan state's guys for the most part have been really good defensively. He is not, mm-hmm. he's a liability. And I think that's where you, you would hope that um, Michigan State's guards are aggressive because I think they can get some things against this guy. Yeah. Uh, and then you look at Eli Brooks, uh, 11, point, 11 and a half points a game, um, shooting 42 from the floor, 38 from three, 87 from the line, about yeah, almost about two to one, too, 46 to 24 yeah. turnovers. That, that end of things isn't so bad, but it's, again, he's not a really dynamic player. And in fairness to him, he shouldn't try to be, Mm -hmm. I think if, if Michigan tries to make him a point guard, that's going to hurt them in two ways. One, I don't think it plays to his strength. And then you lose him off the ball where I think he is valuable. Uh, His shooting, his deep shooting has picked up a little bit lately 
and he is a higher volume guy. Um, you know, uh, what he's averaging about four attempts a game. Mm. So the fact that that shooting percentage is ticking up, that's a positive for them. Um, he is a good defensive player. I think he's been a, he looked a little better when he was surrounded by his first four years at Michigan, he was surrounded by better teammates defensively. Mm-hmm. I think this year when he's out on an Island, he's maybe been a little less impressive, but he's still by far the best option they've got on the perimeter on defense. So solid player, um, you know, took a COVID year. So he's playing his fifth season. Mm-hmm. He has not taken the leap that I think they thought he might have to, for this to be a team that, matched expectations which were very very high unfairly high i think as it turns out um instead he's kind of been what he's been you know which is fine but they probably needed a little more from him Mm -hmm. uh and then caleb huston 10.7 points a game uh 4.4 rebounds shooting 41% from the floor, 36, almost 37% from three and 73 from the line. Um, yeah. He's definitely gotten his shot dialed in lately. Um, and that was supposed to be the strength of his game. And it's, it's come on over this little streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's definitely shot the ball much better. Um, the thing is, uh, so that's a problem. You've got to account for him as a shooter, but man, can he get taken advantage of defensively? He's just not a good defensive player at all. And that, to me, that position, going from Wagner to him at the three, has been the single biggest dip that they've taken defensively. And it's an important one because normally that guy is guarding a scorer. Mm-hmm. You know, you look around this league, you know, Johnny Davis, um, Jaden Ivey. I mean, these are the kind of guys that you're going to have to contend with. And um, he is just not not ready for prime time. I mean, that again, to me, that if you compare him to Michigan State's freshman, Max Christie, that's the separator. Mm-hmm. I mean, Houston's on a little bit of a hot streak, so his shooting numbers look better than Max's right now. But I, I think over the course of the season, I don't think there's been a lot of difference. Neither one of them has been as good as advertised shooting the shooting the deep ball. Uh-huh. But but the difference is. Max Christie, first of all, is better on the ball. He's a more versatile offensive player in my view, but defensively, it's just, you know, the Illinois game aside, it's no contest. And that's where Houston's problem is. Yeah. Uh, and then Musa Diabate, uh, nine points, six is, uh, rebounds a game, um, 30 or 55% from the floor, 30% from three sixty-five from the line. You know, I like him as a player. I don't think he's, you know, this was, remember, he and Houston both top 10 recruits, right? Yeah. And so their expectations have come along with that, and they were, especially in his case, they were probably unfair because the fact of the matter is I think sometimes people get confused. So they see a big guy who can actually also step away from the rim and hit a shot Mm -hmm. occasionally, and that somehow equates to polished. And it's, it's not fair because he is not a polished player at all. He's very much a guy that's under development as a player, you know, um, three for 10 on the year for threes, 
And I think the only number that's really important there is that he's only attempted 10 because he uh, shouldn't take more than that. He's not a good shooter at this point. Um, he's been effective around the rim at times. His size and length can give you some problems. I mean, I do think it's going to be a challenge for, for Joey and Malik guarding him in that way. Um, again, the, the biggest is good rebounder. So he's been solid there. I think the biggest disappointment though, then they believed, okay, he's going to provide rim protection and that he's got what 11 block shots on yeah. the year in 16 games. So he's just not bringing that. I mean, Michigan state gets better shot blocking out of its wings mm-hmm. than, than Diabata is providing Michigan, you know, I mean, that's a fact. So, um, but a, a, a good season overall, I just think you had to know what you were getting. And if you were expecting a polished, ready-to-go, dominant player, that was not ever what you were going to get. What you're getting is a guy who can occasionally make a play. He'll impact games with his size at times. He'll also make freshman mistakes, a lot of them. Again, he just he looks like a guy that just needs to play more basketball. And, mm-hmm. and I think... If I were an NBA franchise, I probably would look favorably on him because there are tools there for sure. And it's not like he hasn't produced at all. He just hasn't been, you know, a a 14 and seven guy. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just not that's just not who he is right now. Yeah. Uh, And then Dickinson, seven footer, uh, 16.5 points a game. 8.4 8.4 rebounds, uh, 60% from the floor, 30, he's 9 for 23 for 3, uh, which is 39% and 67 from the line. Yeah, he's been, on a, he's been on a hot streak lately. At least he was coming into tonight. And I don't know what he shot from 3 tonight, I guess, um, as I'll take a quick look. But he's been on a real roll lately with the 3. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing because when he shoots them, they just – I mean, he's he's scraping the top of the arena. He gets <laughs> unbelievable arc on on those shots, and um, they've been going in lately. And this was something that supposedly he had worked on, and you know, in the off season. And sure enough, um, he's gotten good results. I mean, that's a good number, thirty nine percent, even though it's fairly low, um, fairly low volume, but. I I will say this, despite how that number looks, and um, and what it might suggest. Now he was he didn't take any tonight actually. Yeah. Um, despite how that number looks, if I'm Michigan State and he wants to shoot threes, great, mm-hmm. let him. I'm not convinced. <laughs> <laughs> I would consider. I would still consider any possession that Hunter Dickinson wants to take a three as a win. Mm-hmm. That's how I would view it. So I, I would let him take those. I don't know if he's going to take a bunch of them. Uh, he had, he had been taking a lot of them. He killed Indiana with those. I mean, absolutely killed them. That, that game, in fact, it's really kind of a one game season for him in a way from three. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, as we're talking here, I'm going to pull, I want to pull up the numbers in that game because he's nine for 23 on the season from three. And in that game, he was three for four. So he was six for 19. He was a low thirties guy before that game. And then because he goes three for four, you know, 
it's uh it's all of a sudden up bordering on 40 percent because he's not taking very many of them so low volume you have one good game and it's a disproportionate impact uh obviously he's a a guy you have to account for right he's Mm. seven feet he's huge He's a, a skilled offensive player. We saw that last year, and we see it at times this year. I think he's another guy, though, that if, if Michigan was going to be you know, a top-five team, which they were picked as in a lot of places preseason, I think the expectation was Hunter Dickinson is going to be better than he was last year. Mm-hmm. He's going to be improved. And that's – I don't think we've seen that. I think he's been better lately. Um, and you can make an argument that over the last few games, maybe he's up, up until at night where he was foul trouble hindered him. Um, but he wasn't great even other than that. Um, you know, maybe you can make a case that they're, they're on this run lately that he's been uh, playing at a little bit of an elevated level. But over the course of the season, I think it's been largely what he was last year, which is a, a very good player but not a guy who's gone up a level. You know, if you look, I think a guy like Coburn was an example of that he was effective as a freshman, but as a sophomore, he took a big jump up. Yeah. You know, he became a different player. Luca Garza, his first two years was a, was a good player. And then as a junior took a big step up, mm-hmm. you know, became something other than just good. And I think that's what people thought, you know, they thought Dickinson was going to have maybe a Garza type season. And it just has not been that now. I do think they are better for playing through him, as I mentioned, and I have seen them, at least to my eyes, trying to do more of that, mm-hmm. which I think is a positive for them. So, you know, look, offensively, we know because of his size, he's going to pose a problem. Um, I think he's susceptible to getting run. Uh-huh. If Michigan State can get into its transition game, and Michigan has shown a susceptibility their, their transition defense has not been consistently good this year. Uh, if if Bainham and Marble can run the floor, that's a positive. That's Because that's not an area that Dickinson, I think, is at his best. And it, it depletes the gas tank, too. Yeah, they don't play a whole lot of bench minutes. No. Uh, yeah, so they the, need him on the floor. I mean, that's look, that's, that's the bottom line is that he's averaging 31 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. They need him on the floor. Yeah, you know their starters. If you look down their starters, Diabate is only playing twenty-two a night, but everybody else is at about twenty-eight or above. Mm-hmm. Brooks is at thirty-four. Houston's at thirty-one. Dickinson's at thirty-one. Jones is at twenty-seven point six. Then Diabate is twenty-two point four. So it's really, you know, they're, they're they're starting five. It's not as extreme as some other teams we've seen this year, but it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so coming off the bench, Brandon Johns, six eight uh, guy from East Lansing, getting about fifteen point six minutes a game, um, five points, two, a little over two rebounds, forty three percent from the floor, thirty three percent from three, and seventy from the line. I, you know, he's up and down, but I think they're a little disappointed in him, and I would be too, if only because I think he had shown improvement. Under Howard, you know, his freshman season was, in my mind, kind of a, a washout mm-hmm. under Beeline. I didn't think Beeline really knew how to use him, wasn't getting the best out of him. Um, and then Howard came in and 
the last two years, especially in their tournament run last year, I thought that they had finally gotten through to Brandon Johnson. When Brandon Johnson was at East Lansing. Everybody knew that he was a very talented kid. He had a lot of skill, had a great body, you know, six, seven and strong, even back mm-hmm. in high school as a young high school player, he was put together. And, and I think the, the knock on him, the problem was not, Oh, he's not skilled enough. Or he's not athletic enough, but it's that he seemed to be disinterested in playing physically. And, that's where I thought I had seen Howard really get through to him. Like he was actually starting. They they were using him as a small ball five at times mm-hmm. and effectively, you know, and, and I think he was playing kind of a kind of a garbage man sort of role. And that's a little unfair to him because he, he shot the ball well last year too, but you know, just kind of a guy, go get an offensive rebound, go play hard nosed defense for, three minutes, you know, do, do kind of gritty, dirty work stuff. And then occasionally your skill set gets to show too. Mm -hmm. And I thought they'd really found something heading into the season. I think the expectation was that he was going to be a starter. And in fact, he has started seven times. It's just, they finally ended up going with Diabate because the feeling was they had no choice. Brandon just wasn't giving them what they need. Yeah, um, you look at those toughness numbers, like two steals, four blocks, six offensive rebounds in quite a bit of time. Yeah, That's not I much. mean, he last year he was a, a you know, I want to pull the numbers up because my recollection is that he was just a very, very different player. Um, I know he was in their tournament run, but I think even over the course of the season, I mean, if I look at those numbers, so yeah, last season – in 28 games, he had 28 offensive rebounds. So he was averaging one offensive rebound per game. This year, he's at what, like a third of a rebound per game? Yeah. Something like that of an offensive rebound. That's a big difference. The year before that, his first year under Howard, he had 37 offensive rebounds in 30 games. He was even better. Um, You know, you just – and the playing time is – he's getting more minutes this year than he did last season. So I, I just think, um, you know, he shot a little better last year. He was a 37% shooter from three this year, 33%. Um, just he's been a little bit of a disappointment. I mean, I think he's still a guy that they're they're glad to have because anytime you put a veteran that you can you can bring in and, and give you some minutes, that's a positive as opposed to having to go with a young player who hasn't done it. Mm-hmm. But – I do think it's been a little bit of a letdown. And frankly, the fact that Diabate is starting at the four, he Howard had his hand forced. I don't think he wanted to do that. And and if you think about it, it really does make it's remarkable their offense has graded out as well as it has because they really are playing with two posts. I mean, we again we know Dickinson's numbers from three look okay, but it's low volume and I don't think it's going to – I would guess it's going to end up south of where it currently is. And Diabate isn't really a good three-point shooter either. So they're going with, to some extent, a very old-school approach on offense with those two guys out there at the same time. And, and then they don't even get rim protection with starting two bigs, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think they wanted to go that way. I think they wanted to go with Johns, and he just wasn't good enough. 
Yeah. Uh, so then they got Terrence Williams coming off the bench, getting about 15, almost 16 minutes a game. Uh, 5.2 points, 2.8 rebounds, 44 from the floor, 40 from three, 72 from the line. Yeah, and, and he's been kind of riding a hot streak lately as well, um, particularly from three. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the one big difference in his game. And I just I'm, – I'm not entirely convinced that this is sustainable, but I look – the last, so he's 12 for 30 on the season. In the last two games, he's three for four. So he's helped himself out a little bit. He was nine for, what would that make him? Nine for 26, which would have been you know mid-30s mm-hmm. before that. Um, I don't know. I guess if I look over the course of his season, he's been, he's been okay. Williams is one of these guys that, and I think he's better than he was last year. And he's been better than Johns has been. But he's one of these guys that, from what I've observed, the Michigan fan base has a love-hate relationship with because he's kind of a feast or famine guy. Like, there are mm-hmm. games where he will go out, and he had a big three tonight down the stretch when they had lost their big men and they needed to find points. Um, he he will make plays at times, and then at other times, he will just absolutely kill you. <laughs> with what he does he's not a good defensive player that's one area where i think johns is at least you have trust in him mm-hmm. i don't think there's a lot of trust right now in terrence williams as a defender but um yeah offensively he's been better mm-hmm. uh and then frankie collins backup point guard 12.5 minutes a game um only averaging 3.4 points a couple rebounds a game um, 45 from the floor, 25 from three, not much volume, two for eight, and then 38 from the line. Or um, Yeah. Is that he right? Can't, 38? Jeez. Yes. Eight for 21. Yeah. <laughs> he can't, he can't shoot. He's, he's very quick. He's got a good handle and he can occasionally, and you saw it tonight. There was at least one play I can think of where he just blew past the defender and finished at the rim. He's got that capability to his game. You also look at the assist numbers. He's got 28 assists while not playing very much. I mm-hmm. mean, if you look at it on a per-minute basis, he's got to be their top guy. Let me think about this. So he's got 68. and Well, maybe not, but it's close. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the long term, Collins could be a guy for them at that position. You know, he's going to have to either – get better with his shooting or just be much more consistent in finding ways around that. He seems to have the tools to be a good defender. I'm not sure he has the awareness yet to qualify as that. Uh-huh. But the, the thing I like about him most of all that they don't have enough of is that he is a guy who seems to have the potential to actually be dynamic. And that's what they lack at the guard spot. Um, the problem is that it's coming in a package that's maybe not quite ready for prime time. Mm-hmm. He'll play. I just I think it's questionable how he'll play against MSU. There are times where he makes you know he makes contributions, and there are other times where he gets taken advantage of. Yeah. Uh, and then Kobe Bufkin, eleven point seven minutes a game, um, just under four points, one point seven rebounds, forty from the floor, twenty one from three, sixty eight from the line. Yeah, maybe not a huge surprise. I, I think the, the the biggest disservice to Kobe Bufkin was that somehow 
And I, I honestly have no idea how it happened last year. None. He was named a McDonald's All-American. Mm. It was shocking. It was absolutely shocking. If for no other reason than he didn't play very much because he was hurt a lot of last year. And they didn't really have an AAU season where you were able to see much. So I don't know. You know, Bufkin was always kind of rated in the same area as Jaden Akins and Pierre Brooks. They were always guys that were kind of in the, you know, 60s to 80s. And then all of a sudden he's a McDonald's All-American. I'm like, well, I mean, I like this kid's future and I like him as a potential player, but he's not that. Yeah. And he's consequently he didn't play that way. You know, uh, I do like him for the future because he's he's athletic and he's got decent size at six four got a respectable handle not a point guard but you know can do can do some damage there and i do think in time he'll be a, a, a decent shooter he has not been so far this year in limited volume he's not had a lot of success but he's he's a guy who i think will be a good shooter eventually um you know they need him to play minutes because they just don't have much depth there and I think physically he's not quite ready for it. He needs to get stronger. But you occasionally see flashes of the potential. I do still think he'll be a good player eventually. Just he's not really a guy that's like I would. I would say he's pretty clearly a behind Aikens in the development process for sure, uh-huh. because he's not he's not trustworthy defensively, and his shooting has been kind of erratic. He just hasn't. Been, you know, Jaden's clearly been of those three guys that were in state, you know, wings. Jaden's clearly been the best of the three in terms of being ready to impact things immediately. Uh, so if we get into the keys, Rod, um, the rivalry. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the thing you've always got to worry about is you don't want to get too caught up in it which sounds counterintuitive because it matters so much but you don't want to let that get you outside of yourself so that's true for the entire msu roster they can't come into this game from the opening tap and be trying to do things that aren't really in their wheelhouse and sometimes you see that happen guys want it so badly and they're trying so hard to make things happen that they get outside of their capabilities. And so that does matter. I think you have to, you have to walk the, the line between playing really hard and with a lot of effort and forcefully, but at the same time with poise that you're not trying to do things. You're not trying to do too much to use the cliche, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that it's a, uh, the case for Michigan too, but I think it's, it's going to be more the case for Michigan State uh, because they're at home, so the crowd's going to be amped. And then I think on top of that, you know, they're coming into this game off a loss. So it's a concern. You know, I'm going to be interested to see the start. If Michigan State starts well, I'm going to feel a little more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then turnovers. Well, <laughs> You know, it's funny. There was a lot of talk, even from Izzo, about the turnovers in the Illinois game. And I get it because they had nine of them in the first half, and it really cost them. They only had one in the second. And ten for a game, as we talked about last night, it's not actually that bad. At the end of the day, that was not the problem. The problem was they didn't shoot well enough. 
and they didn't they didn't run their offense well enough to create enough good shot opportunities in my view. But it, it wasn't so much the turnovers. Uh, despite that, we 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 just mentioned it. Michigan is not as it's not as much of a problem for them as it is for Michigan State, but it is a problem. Mm-hmm. They have not been really great um, taking care of the basketball this year. Certainly not, I mean, as I mentioned a while ago, when, when you think back to all those years with John Beeline where they were a top 10 team in uh, low turnover percentage, and, you know, they had they had 13 of them tonight against Northwestern. Now, that's not a boatload, but it was kind of a, you know, not a particularly fast-paced game either. Yeah. Um. So it's 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 definitely. I, I don't like to make too much of it. Like we mention it every game as a key because it is important. But at the same time, I think it's gotten overplayed with this Michigan State team. Mm-hmm. I think the key is you can't have a huge margin. It's like last night it was ten six, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 did not decide the game. You know, it just didn't, especially not with the way Michigan State rebounded. Yeah. You know, you have you have to view those two things in conjunction, in my opinion, because they both lead to the same thing, which is extra opportunities to score. Mm-hmm. You're getting extra shots up as opposed to your opponent if you're offensive rebounding and you're not turning the ball over. So viewed in conjunction, Michigan State actually had an advantage in that way in the Illinois game. Um, so you're, you're trying to mitigate any kind of really, really big gap. Mm-hmm. So that to me is the key rather than winning it. Uh, so then, uh, transitions the next key. Yeah. I, I, you know, Michigan's got a lot of guys who have not seen Michigan state of their starting five. They've got two who have played in a game against Michigan state have played in a game at the Breslin. So, and, and one of those two, Hunter Dickinson, I'm not sure there's a lot he can do about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, if Michigan State is rim running, Hunter Dickinson will have some problems. Now, I'm not saying they're going to blow by him consistently, but and I'm sure Michigan's going to try to do things to help him. But that's a problem. On a team basis, I think the lack of experience in dealing with with what Michigan State throws at you is a big deal. Um, Illinois last night, you know, that was an advantage that they had. And and even they got hurt at times Mm -hmm. with Michigan State's transition game. But, you know, they're running guys out there. You know, Frazier has played Michigan State probably close to double-digit times in his career. Now, Williams, same thing. Um, Grandison's in his second year. Um, You know, some of the big kids have at least been around, uh-huh. you know, they had a couple guys that were new, but Michigan, it's a lot of that. And with two freshmen and then with Jones, who's a, a transfer, they've never experienced what Michigan state is going to try to throw at them. Mm-hmm. And then factor in that two of the guys that they do play off their bench are freshmen. And it's, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and they, and they've had a problem anyway with transition defense against teams that aren't Michigan state. Now, you know, going along with this, Michigan state's got a defensive rebound, you know, they have to, mm-hmm. they can't, Michigan is not a very good offensive rebounding team, but as we've talked about, that hasn't always mattered. Michigan state has got to do the job clearing its defensive glass. And if they do that 
I suspect they're going to have opportunities. And, you know, Michigan's not a great half-court defensive team, but you want easy baskets. And, and again, the other thing is I just want to run these guys, particularly their big guys. Mm -hmm. I want to to test their endurance. And the way you do that is by dragging them up and down the floor. (laughs) Uh, Then the fourth key is just make shots. Well, it it sounds simple, but – and and something that should go along with that, of course, is that Michigan State has to run its offense – well enough to generate good shots and if they do that i suspect they'll hit enough of them Mm i i tend to think it's unlikely that they have two straight offensive performances like the one they had in champagne and that's why i was so adamant at the start of our uh game review last night that things are going to be different on saturday because i i just don't see that Mm mm-hmm as likely possible. Sure. But you know, Michigan is not a very good defensive team and you figure the odds are Michigan state's probably not going to lay an egg like that twice, twice in a row. The other thing is if, and I think I mentioned this last night as well. Uh, if I were Michigan, I would be absolutely terrified about Gabe Brown Yeah, yeah. Because, because Gabe Brown has been on, he's been in a slump lately. And you know, you know that he's going to bust out on somebody. I think I said last night, somebody soon is getting a five for seven from three. Mm -hmm. That's just what's going to happen. And I think there's a real possibility that we could see it on Saturday. Now, teams have been, Izzo's talked about it, it's been clear that teams have been really tilting their game plans toward Gabe. Gabe is not getting the same kind of clean looks he was earlier in the season. But, again, I don't know how well Michigan will be able to execute a game plan to do that as opposed to some of these other teams or a little more experienced maybe that mm-hmm. Gabe's seen lately. And, you know, Gabe is the kind of player, too, that at times it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because he's tall enough and he has a quick enough release. You can cover him and he could still get a shot. <laughs> you know? I mean, he is one of those guys who's mm-hmm. capable of doing that, as opposed to some other players who really do need, you know, uh, they need space. Gabe Brown does not really need a lot of space. <laughs> so I, I think for Michigan State, it's an obvious statement, but I think it rings true. They've got to shoot better than they did. They've got to create better shot opportunities than they did against Illinois. I have a pretty strong feeling they're going to do that. Yeah. Uh, and then the last key is defense. It's been, you know, that's the thing. Coming coming out of last night, the two things that I was happiest about, well, three things, and two of them are interrelated. One was obviously that they rebounded well for a second straight game. But the other two things were that they defended. They weren't great in the first half, but they were okay. They were great in the second half. And going along with that, we are seeing Marcus Bainham maybe starting to get back into the swing of it after his post COVID lull. Mm-hmm. He's like, he was good, really good in the first half against Wisconsin. And then he got a little tired in the Illinois game. What was really encouraging is he was good in the first half. One of the few guys who was, and then he was even better in the second. Yeah. So that's important for this game. That's important for this team's future. It, the only way that they can be as, you know, whatever their ceiling is, will be determined in part by how good Marcus Bingham can be and how much he can play. 
Mm-hmm. So I think it's really a key for Michigan State defensively. Michigan's been playing better on offense. There's no question about that. They've been shooting the ball better. Uh, they've been moving the ball better. And again, I think playing through some guys like Dickinson has helped them. Uh, Michigan State at their best can, uh, to quote Tyson Walker from earlier this year, can shut their water off. Mm-hmm. I-, I believe that. I think Markey probably can't completely shut down Dickinson, but his length can make him work very, very hard. Um, I think it will be interesting to see if Michigan state does much digging against him. You see teams do that. And I understand why Um, we haven't seen this team do a lot of it yet, but we haven't yet seen the barrage of big men that we're, that we will. And this is really, this is really the first time, you know, they've played some guys like Young was really effective against them, and mm-hmm. they've they played some guys who've had good games. But they haven't seen a Dickinson yet. So that is fresh territory for MSU defensively. How do they play him? Um, they're clearly not going to throw doubles at him, but are they more aggressive digging down, or do they kind of let – and it may depend who's out there. Against Markey, maybe you let it go because you figure his length, and length has bothered Dickinson in the past. Uh-huh. Um, he didn't really get loose against Michigan State, as I recall, last year. Um, look at those games. Um, and uh, yeah, just not really. Was, I recall it wasn't like you got thirty or anything like that. Because I want to see, yeah, I want to see uh, how they uh, how they fared. So they played those games back to back, and in the first game. Yeah, the first game Dickinson was all right. He had he had 14 points on six of eight from the floor, and he had 10 rebounds. So he was effective, but he didn't dominate. But he was, that's a good, solid game. Mm. But that was the game in Ann Arbor. I think in the second game, we'll see. I seem to recall they did a better job containing him. Yeah, they sure did. In the game in East Lansing, he was only four for 10 from the floor. He had seven rebounds. He had 12 points, but... And he, he was actually their second leading scorer that day, but they obviously limited him. Uh-huh. So he has had problems, though, over the time he's been in Ann Arbor. Where he's had problems, oftentimes it's been due to opposing length. I mean, he didn't play very well against Arizona this year. Arizona has a ton of length inside. You know, you just you have to have guys that are that are long enough to bother his shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bainham can do that. I suspect we'll, again, see Madi Sissoko take a turn. We'll see how he fares. And then, you know, when Julius is in there, or if they go small uh, again with um, uh, with Joey Hauser, then, you know, that, that may be – those may be situations where maybe Michigan State situationally is more aggressive digging down. But I, I like Michigan State's defense in this game. I like I like their, their odds – of uh, really making it tough mm-hmm. on Michigan to get much going. Because this is they, – they've been better lately offensively, but, man, this is still like they're not a great ball screen team offensively, not conventionally. As I say, they're, they're getting this stuff with Dickinson that's a little different mm-hmm. than what we've seen from them in the past. And I just I, – I think if Michigan State is locked in, and especially if a guy like Max Christie bounces back – defensively as i suspect he will um you know i would think he's going to be jacked i would expect that he will guard he will see some of houston 
um, I would think. And uh, I would think he'd be jacked for that. Mm. All right. Well, uh, any final thoughts heading into this one, Ron? Well, uh, obviously a big game for both teams. I mean, Michigan's done enough over the last week and change to make it meaningful for them. As I mentioned, they're four and three in the league, 10 and seven overall, but they, you know, the road win against Indiana is, is a, a solid one. I don't mean to completely minimize that, but you know, IU is not a, that's, that's not a great basketball team right mm-hmm. now. Um, and not even a sure thing NCAA tournament team at this point. So, but by a big win, I mean a top 25 caliber team, a top five Big Ten opponent, and they haven't done that yet. They don't have a win like that. So this, especially on the road, represents a huge opportunity for them. Uh-huh. For Michigan State, you know, coming off a loss where I'm sure they don't feel good about it. You know, the, the perception is with Coburn and, and Curbelo out, that's a game, even on the road, that you should be able to find a way to win. And if they played anything close to a normal game offensively, they win it probably going away. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. And so I suspect that that plus the fact that it's Michigan, and we haven't even talked about, you know, the shenanigans with the first game and, and all of that stuff, um, you know, how – whether Izzo uses that in any way as motivation, I, I kind of doubt it. You don't really need to. I mean, it's Michigan. You're going to be jacked anyway. But the fans certainly will. I expect it to be a very, very live building mm-hmm. Saturday afternoon, uh, in part because of that. I think a lot of the – I don't think Izzo will use it very much, but I think the fan base is – I expect to see some Howard, Howard the, the Duck, duck. signs. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. There's going to be a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So normally – in a Michigan-Michigan State game where it, it really feels like there's a little extra on the line, M- Michigan State tends to play pretty well. Mm. I mean, I always go back to, I think, maybe the livest I've ever seen that building, and I, w- I was there for it, was um, the game in 13, mm. where Michigan and Indiana had been getting all the attention all year long, and Michigan State was having a very good year of its own. And people had kind of forgotten about them a little bit. And Michigan came in and just got their asses handed to them. And the, the crowd that night was as as loud and as excited as I've ever heard it at Breslin. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I've experienced more at Jenison, but that's a different story. Um, Breslin was live that night. And there have been other nights, too, where it felt like there was just a little, you know, some of Cassius's games it felt like there was a little more, a little extra. Yeah. So I kind of expect that atmosphere. And I think Michigan State is going to come in a little bit pissed off. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I think they're also due for a game offensively, I I don't want to be Michigan. <laughs> if I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at this objectively, and they're on a three-game win streak, which yeah. is nice, but, you know, you figure, well, Maybe, you know, they skated with one tonight. They didn't really, you know, I I don't know if either team deserved to win that game in the end, but Michigan didn't. Mm -hmm. And and yet they won. So, you know, that can go two ways. Either you can, you know, you can look at that and say, 
and you use it as motivation to not let that happen again, or it's kind of a sign of the way things are going. I just, apart from all that stuff, I just think that the matchup is, is one that, that favors Michigan state because I think Michigan's defense is not very good. Yeah. And, and if they, it God help them, if they do, they didn't play a lot of it tonight, but lately I have seen them playing a little more zone than we're used to seeing. I can't imagine if Juwan Howard is throwing out a zone against Michigan state, fire him. Mm-hmm. It would be the dumbest thing you could possibly do. It would make it so much easier on Michigan state to generate good shots. And if they generate good shots, they're going to hit a lot of them. Yeah. So I think Michigan's defense, whatever they're playing, is suspect. And conversely, I think Michigan State's defense can make Michigan work very, very hard offensively. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how well they'll fare if they're made to work very, very hard. So I, I do think Michigan State's going to play very well. And I'm, I'm, if I had, I don't normally make predictions on this thing, but, um, I'm expecting a double-digit win. We'll, we'll see if I could be wrong, but that's that's just as we sit here on Wednesday night. That's that's how it feels to me. Uh-huh. At home, coming off that loss, irritating and sticking in your craw, <laughs> and it's Michigan, and they're coming in a little sassy. Yeah, I, I think Michigan State's going to win this thing, you know, comfortably. Let's put it that way. Okay. I just think Michigan State's a better team too. I mean, yeah. that's that's the simple way of putting it. They're a better team with better players mm-hmm. right now. You can talk about recruiting rankings and you know potential and all that stuff as as much as you want. Right now, Michigan State's got more players who are good basketball players than Michigan does. Yeah. That's that's how it is. Okay. Well, we'll get the uh, post game up after that one. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.